Hey everyone, it's Senna. Just wanted to give a quick heads up that the audio on my end uh, for this episode is really, really bad. I have no idea what happened. Uh, I'm sorry for those who listen to the show. I tried to salvage it as best I can. Came out okay, I think, but no worries if you can't listen to this episode. It's all filler. Like, there's, <laughs> it's not a significant Bleach episode. You won't be missing much. Uh, that being said, I hope you enjoy the show if you do listen, and as always, stay cool chats. If I'm all set up, that's fine. But sometimes, what is it? There was one week where you gave me, I think, four seconds of leeway, and I had <laughs> I didn't have time. Thought is open. I still got there on time. <laughs> it, it, it's to keep you on your toes. Sam. I got I got to keep you on your toes. <laughs> this is in a washout of Beach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I don't think I pronounced the G. Host, I think I just said I'm your co-host Sina, and I, I don't like it's not bad. It's just like where's the team? You know? Nothing. No. Nah. Just letting that one wash over. Yeah. You, know, you can't just say wash over when our show has wash out in the fucking podcast title. Like. I'm it's only I'm... weird when you bring attention to it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Um, okay. Well, okay. Podcast. This is this is an energy. This is an energy. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's an energy. Sam, these were two fucking filler-ass episodes. And more on the way. Oh, great. Like, okay. 
let's just, before I just, like, start rambling on about it, let's just get into the fucking summary. Let's do it. Uh, episode 128. I don't know what I'm feeling anymore. I don't fucking know. Uh, this episode is called The Nightmare Arankar. Team Hitsugaya moves out. Now, upon reading this title, I was like, okay, some shit's gonna happen this episode. And I was kind of right. Some shit certainly does happen, but it's not important. Uh, Yori continues to train Ichigo, who is getting his shit pretty regularly kicked in. The time he can spend in holoform has apparently increased by 0.5 seconds, but he's still too slow in, like, transforming the holoform or whatever. Bashiro comments on how he must not have the talent for it, and she's surprised the team hasn't gotten bored of him. But Shinji says they have no choice in the matter. Meanwhile, back at Kurosaki Clinic, Yuzu cries about how Ichigo hasn't come home, but Karin says not to worry, he'll come back when we've all forgotten about it. Ishin hops in and says Ichigo's at that age of rebellion. When he was at high school, Ishin considered the whole world his enemy and left home. He wandered the school at night and went to the ocean to let out a youthful scream. He says that Ichigo's probably somewhere looking at the ocean from which summer has long gone and fulfilling the desires of his own heart during mating season. Uh, which Nobu pointed out is something you would say about a wild animal, maybe? I mean, that is basically how he should treat his son, right? He's like, listen, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting food on the table. Uh, you just go out, do whatever the fuck you want. Come back every once in a while, get some food. It's fine. Um, I want to point out, Ishin's got, like, a really cool, a really good red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> In this episode, I'm like, damn, I wish I could wear a shirt that good. Ishin is, like, top-notch this episode. For, like, the t- two minutes we see him, maybe. He's he's in peak Ishin. Uh, Karin, like, butts in and says she doesn't know what Ichigo's up to, but he'll be alright. Ishin, meanwhile, is like, when's Rukia coming back? <laughs> and Karin punches him for being more worried about her than his own son. I love that he's like, <laughs> I thought I had another daughter and now she's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like literally throwing a tantrum about this, and it's so good. Uh, Karin explains that Ruki is apparently like staying over with Orhime, doing like schoolwork. Uh, and then we cut to a park with Kitsugaya, Rongiku, Ikaku, and Yumichika. As they talk about Renji staying with Urahara and his training with Chad, Kitsugaya uh, comments that against the Arankar, they can use all the power they can get, and we have to be stronger or we won't win. Which, you know, that pretty astute there, Hitsugaya. You have to be stronger than your enemy if you're gonna win, I guess. I mean, he's just saying, like, well, we got our shit pushed in last time, so maybe we should also <laughs> do some training. Like, Renji's got a good idea here. Maybe we shouldn't just, like, be sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, probably. Maybe we shouldn't just be waiting around for soul Skype calls or whatever. Um... The conversation mostly revolves around how strong the Arankar are, and then Rangiku is like, well, I'm gonna go shopping, and then she does. Uh, at the shopping center, Rangiku tries on some different looks, and she kind of kills all of the looks. Uh, eventually, she makes up her mind and buys all of them. Uh, this is like one of those classic sequences where, uh, you know, you've got like the girl going to like a shopping mall, and it keeps like you know, it's like a montage of her trying all the different outfits on. It's exactly that. 
I love it because it's like they fill in something like four minutes of screen time or whatever, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> it's just door closes like uh, the changing stall like door closes opens she's in a different outfit in a different pose closes opens she's in a different and I think most of these are from the like like the extra stuff that you usually get in the manga where Kubo just like draws everyone in various like fashionable outfits yeah. I think that's where most of these come from, which is really funny. But then... It's good. (laughs) But the best part is that she's got so much shit. She's She's carrying so many bags that her arms are like fully t-posed almost because she needs to have her arms spread wide just to carry her like 50 bags. (laughs) It's incredibly in character for her and I love it. Yeah, it's just really good. Honestly, high bar of this episode. Well, second high bar of this episode. The other high bar is uh, just Ikaku rocking the sleeveless shirt. And I'm like, damn, Ikaku, you look good. Ikaku do look good, though. Um, this uh, this girl is just, like, walking around the human world. And she's like, wow, I love it here. Things are so much cheaper here than in Soul Society. And, like, I realize this is a filler episode. But hearing this line, I'm just like, wow, you're really just making Soul Society sound even that much more shitty, huh? Like, <laughs> this is not convincing me that Soul Society is a place I want to go. Thinking back to the whole fact that, like, she lives in an area of Soul Society where she literally doesn't pay for anything because she's part of the military, and also <laughs> everything that's not part of that section of Soul Society is either the nobility or, like, desperately struggling for survival yeah it's like this is like such a throwaway line but you read into it and it's like um rangiku uh it's not good there but why are you protecting this place like just come to the human world enjoy it like come on uh she finds another shop to stop by and in this store she finds like an ocarina necklace and she just walks up to the counter and is like, I will pay a, like 10,000 yen for this. And the shopkeeper says she'll get her some change for it. And then he just runs out of the store. And I assume he was just running with the money. Like, it's the way this scene plays out. I just assumed he was taking the money and going. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a way to read, to read the scene. But like... He's got more than a hundred bucks worth of shit in his in his uh in his store. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I like it, it was more of a thing of like confusion because of the way the scene plays out. Because it's not that he like goes into the back of the store. The this the screen, like what shows up on the screen is he literally runs out the back of the store and around the corner. And it yeah. it, it, like, it didn't you... used to be that it didn't used to be that rare for a small a small store to just like have to run to the corner bank to get some change on like large things. That makes sense, and like I, I I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, I just didn't really live through that age, or I wasn't really buying things that expensive when I was that age. You know, like that I I was like. How old was I when this episode came out? Whether this came out in 2007? I was 11. I was 11 when this episode came out. 
So, yeah, I was definitely not, like, experiencing that. So it was never something that entered my brain as a thing that happened. Um, so Rajiku blows in the ocarina while he's out of the store. Uh, and then she's like, what's this feeling? And you kind of hear, like, this whistling in the background. Um, and she checks her soul pager for activity and notes that there's something happening in North Block 11 of Karakura Town. Uh, Hitsugaya and the others uh, notice this as well. They needed nothing more than a regular hollow, but something feels wrong. Uh, the shopkeeper returns with change, but Rangiku's like, BRB! And she goes into soul form and leaves the shopkeeper confused by her horny guy. Um, as soon as Rangiku gets to the spot, something crashes down, and things start going apart. A kid with his soul chain cut lies on the ground, and a hollow bursts out from the dust. Uh, the kid's like, I'll defeat you, and tells Rangiku to stay out of the way. And she jumps into attack, ignoring the kid, uh, but misses, and the kid's like, Hey, stop interfering! This is my fight! Um, the hollow catches her sword in its mouth, and she's at odds at its spiritual pressure. Uh, and she realizes here that it isn't actually a hollow, it's an Arakar. Um, the Arakar tells her not to interrupt its feel. And grabs the kid, uh, well, and Rangiku grabs the kid as it opens its mouth to reveal glowing eyes. Uh, Ikaku jumps in, actually dealing a little damage before finishing off the Arankar, uh, and he just, like, completely, totally downplays the victory, which just makes it seem like Rangiku's not good at this. Uh, and it, like, I don't think that was the intention here, because that's just how Ikaku is. But, like, him getting the kill immediately after Rangiku's struggles and then just, like, completely downplaying it. It's like, God, this show hates women so much. Yeah, like, the thing they're trying to do is be like, oh, she's, you know, she's literally holding a child, like, under one arm, so she's having a hard time fighting because of that. But the end effect is more kind of a, like, oh, I guess, I guess she really does suck, huh? Yeah, it really ends up reading that way. And, like, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it was the intent, but that's just how it comes across. Um, Hitsugaya tells Rangiku that she let her guard down, uh, and Rangiku's like, I was more concerned about the kid's safety. Like, this guy was just, like, trying to fight this thing. Uh, and then the kid laughs at her and is like, haha, you're being scolded by a kid. Um, and she gets mad at him for calling her an old hag. Rangiku boob joke. Uh, the group talks about the appearance of an wrong car, and Hitsugaya says he'll contact Soul Society since they have to assume that Aizen sent it for a reason. Rangiku says she's going to perform Konso on the kid, uh, but Hitsugaya's like, wait, don't do that yet. We have to ask this kid about the wrong car, because clearly he knows something. The kid is surprised Hitsugaya is a captain, when Hitsugaya must be the same age as him. And then his guy's like, maybe we should perform Konso, actually. And this was a joke that absolutely landed for me, actually. Yeah, she's like, mm, you are trying my patience, child. <laughs> it, it's, it's really good. Meanwhile, Rangiku's Gigai is still being hoarded with the shopkeeper. Uh, but Rangiku shows up in the nick of time. Rangiku horny joke. And then cuts a night in Soul Society. Uh, where Ukitake and Kyone talk about the Arankar that showed up, and Kione clarifies that Hitsugaya wants them to figure out if this Arankar was sent by Aizen. 
uh, Ukitake just kind of like muses about it and he's like, well, that would mean that Aizen is making a move. And, you know, we I guess we should just analyze the report we were given, figure out what's going on there. Meanwhile, like back in the human world, the kid is still around uh, and he keeps calling everyone old, uh, especially the Yubichika Shigrin. Uh, then he calls Ikaku Chrome Dome, and he's just kind of getting on everyone's nerves because he's just being an annoying little brat. But Rangiku tells him to answer their questions. The boy is like adamantly refusing to go to Soul Society, claiming that there's still things he wants to do. Uh, but then Hitsugaya asks the kid heard a whistle when the Arankar showed up. Uh, he did, but after that the Arankar just attacked. Uh, Ikaku claims they won't learn anything new with the questions they have. And Hitsugaya concedes that this is probably true, and says they should perform Konsa. Once again, the kid does not want to go to Soul Society, and the, like, most of the Soul Reapers here are, like, being really insistent, like, it doesn't matter whether he wants to go or not, like, we should perform Konsa, that's our job. Uh, and then, just as Hitsugaya is about to bring down the hilt hammer on this kid, Rangiku's like, wait, I think this kid is confused about what's happened. Let's wait the night before we send him. And hits the guy's like, okay, I'll leave it to you. We don't know Eisen's plans, though, so stay on guard. Uh, so we get, like, a shot of the group as they're all in bed, like, in sleeping bags in the same room, including, uh, including the boy. Uh, and the boy's, like, still awake, and he takes Rangiku's Zanpakuto and sneaks out of the house. This implies, by the way, that they don't sleep in their Kigai. Yeah! It's... <laughs> because otherwise Rangiku doesn't have a sword. I, I didn't really think about that, but you're right. And that's incredibly funny. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a Simonimison's ding, like, whatever it's thing. But it, it's just, like, weird that it's like, oh, let's show all of them sleeping, and then let's, uh, yeah, he's just gonna get up and take her sword, and then leave. Because she just takes the sword immediately again. Yeah, like, um, she catches up to him as he, like, runs through the streets in the night, and is like, hey, don't take things without permission. So yeah, she just gets it back. She scolds him for calling her an old lady again, and asks what he planned to do with her sword. When she asks this, he says it's none of her business, and She's like, it is my business. It's my job to protect souls. And the Zompakuto is as important to a soul reaper as our lives. Uh, she tells him to apologize, and he reluctantly does. The two begin, like, walking down the street, with the kids staying silent as Rankiku asks him the questions. Uh, and he's not answering, like, any of them. He's just saying completely silent. Uh, and when she finally asks why he's not saying anything, she asks what it is he has to do. And he simply says, there's someone I'm looking for. We have to meet. Rangiku asks who it is, and upon silence, she comments that the town is dangerous right now. We don't know when monsters are going to show up, and you can't handle something that big. Please, at least tell me your name. And he finally answers that his name is Shota Toyokawa. Um, the whistle chimes out again, and in the distance, another Arankar looks over the town and laughs. Rangiku noting that it's the same as the one earlier. And then the episode ends. And boy, what a filler episode! It is... It's a filler arc. We don't need to go too long on it. It's just like watching it and I'm like, oh my god, can we get to the next episode? <laughs> like, I think my thing here is like, 
with some adjustments. I think this filler arc could work in an interesting and, like, very watchable way. But as it stands, this kid is so fucking annoying. Like, it's it's not even that he's, like, being a kid or being bratty. It's that him constantly refusing to answer any questions and constantly only being a brat makes me not give a shit about him. It, it makes me not give a shit about the plot of the episode. Uh, it also rang my filler bells like there was nothing else in this episode. I literally was watching this. I'm like, oh, this is filler. This is filler. Um, and everything made sense after that point. It was just like, I didn't care. Why would they subject us to Jinta without Ururu around? Like, this that, is... That's exactly it! I, this should be an illegal. This should be illegal. Um, it yeah. literally is like exposing us to Jinta without Ururu to counter him. It's it's literally that. Um, I would say uh, what what were the manga differences, but there are none because it's a filler episode. So what was the post credits bit this time, Sam? So the gag on the Arankar Encyclopedia is just that Grimjow is just like really annoyed that every time he's tried to transform, there's always someone that like shows up and stops him. And then Gin kind of turns to the camera and he's like, I wonder who I should get to interfere with him next time. <laughs> I wish, I, I wish I could be hotter on this episode. I really, really do. I, I just, I, I can't. <sighs> you want to cut the break, Sam? Let's just cut the break. Let's get right back into it with episode 129, The Swooping Descent of the Dark Emissary, The Propagation of Malice. Jesus fuck, what a title. <laughs> These titles are so metal. <laughs> they really like, are. Goddamn. These episodes don't deserve these titles. They really don't. They took all the good titles. Oh, don't worry. There are... Kubo still has many a good title in store. Also, uh, j- just for the listeners, because I was not aware, um... Just for the listeners, uh, didn't realize that for the foreseeable future, this is going to be filler. And by the foreseeable future, I mean until we hit Bleach episode 138, it's all going to be filler. You know, maybe some of it will be good. Yeah, I'm hoping. Like, I I, want to be clear. This is not me trying to be like, oh, it's all going to be shit. Don't listen to our show. Please listen to our show. But uh, just, like, know that it's going to be filler for a little bit. We're we're just going to drop off of what we were what we were doing, and it's gonna be filler for a bit. It's just how it is. Yeah. So, in the episode, at first, Rangiku tells Shoda to leave this to her, but then she thinks for a moment, and she's like, actually, the if this guy's around after we killed another one who looked exactly like him, maybe there's more. So she's like, on second thoughts, stay real close. <laughs> a biz- There's like a businessman spirit guy who's like, he's got a... He's got a full suit, tie, he's he's holding a briefcase for some reason. Um, he's running from the same creature that uh, Ikaku had killed earlier, and interestingly, like, it starts whistling. It makes that whistling noise that we had heard before with the ocarina, and when it whistles, the businessman, like, stops and starts walking towards it, although he's terrified and, like, begging to be let go. 
Uh, Rangiku shows up, but the businessman is immediately eaten. Uh, she easily gets the creature on the ropes, and Hitsugaya just shows up being like, Alright, we're gonna capture this one alive! And then 12 more show up, and then another 12 show up. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And then one of them, like, splits into two in front of them, and they're like, mm, this is not good. When you said, oh, there, my brain just, like, automatically pictured the word in, like, all lowercase, just, oh. <laughs> Like, God. There's so many a wrong car, Sam. And then they get a call that Ikaku and Yumichika are also fighting off a crowd of the hollow. It's just like, and they're all the same. So Rangiku splits off from Hitsugaya so she can take Shota away, like, to safety in the park. And then they get cornered by a large group of several dozen Arankar. Uh, but turns out that was the plan because now the captain can just unleash his powers and kill all of them. In one fell swoop. Good job, Hitsugaya. Very little animation. <laughs> I love the way you trailed off during that. Just very little animation. After all of the fighting is done, Shota notices a girl spirit his age-ish on a park bench. And then he, like, she's just kind of, like, sleeping there. And he tries to wake her up, calling her Yui. Turns out, that's his sister. They bring her to Orihime's place where they just kind of, like, set her up on a bed in front of the giant disgusting spirit TV. <laughs> Um, and Shota starts explaining his backstory. The whole family was on a drive towards an amusement park, and Yui was practicing her ocarina and being god-awful at it. <laughs> and then a truck collided with the car and killed everyone. It, her father was so distracted by her terrible ocarina playing that he just, like, forgot to be driving on the wrong, like, on the right side of the road, and that led to them all getting hit by a car and dying. That, that's what happened, in my mind. Yeah, it's... It's kind of sudden, honestly. <laughs> it's really unintentionally funny. Because <laughs> she... It's literally just that. Like, she's just sitting in the back seat playing her ocarina badly. And then it's like, oh god, there's a truck! And then they all die! Yeah, because it's like, you get... You see her playing, and then the, you see the parents, like... Uh, <laughs> but then... And then uh, Shota's like, oh, that's just a bunch of noise. And, you know, she complains a little. And you think, okay, well, in most series, this would be like, they start arguing, they start fighting, the dad gets distracted by, like, telling them to knock it off. And that's when, they... no, no, like, as soon as he says, like, oh, that's just some noise, cut to truck coming <laughs> in from the other side, boom, and that's how we all died. I woke up and my parents weren't there. And just like, oh, okay, kid. <laughs> so much like if you don't if you're not like actively watching it like you don't really process anything happening but if you are actively watching it it's just so unintentionally funny it 10 out of 10 best bleach episode as he finishes telling his story yui wakes up and it seems like shota's still keeping something back but just then the spirit tv turns on and ukitake shows up with someone from the tech division akon the one with hordes one of the one with horns. Want, a lot of them have horns. I, I want an alternate universe where Akon here, Akon, uh, is the replacement for the singer Akon, uh, and a as such, does the song with the Lonely Island called I Just Had Sets. I, I think that would be incredibly funny, but that's just my horrible, horrible brain making cursed things. I'm just going to leave that where it is and go back to my description. <laughs> 
he says that the hollow they've killed seems to all share the like it's not that there's a bunch of them that are identical it's that they all share one mind and so they're basically like a giant ant colony and also they can use the whistling to like control their victims movements and trap them uh, there is a main body somewhere that's, like, creating clones and sending them out to just, like, eat a bunch of spirits. And, uh, you know, it's getting stronger every time it kills someone, so they probably need to deal with that at some point. The call ends, and Ikaku and Yumichika come back with bento boxes, praising convenience stores. And throughout this entire time, I'm kind of really wondering where the heck Orihime is. Yeah! <laughs> but don't worry, the show the show has an answer for this. I, I adore that... Like, a huge amount, I mean, I guess not a huge amount, but, like, a, a, a good chunk of the time we've seen, like, these characters in the human world. And this is something Nova and I talked about last night uh, upon watching these episodes. Uh, I just really like seeing the Soul Reapers interact with the human world and be amazed at its, like, like various, like, mundanities, you know? Like, I, I'm really into that in, like, a genuine and sincere way. Because it, it, it's both funny, but it also just reads as true because of who these characters are. And I, I don't know, I just like it a lot. I, I really love seeing them just, like, amazed at the convenience of convenience store bento. It's really good. Yeah, it's fun for them to acknowledge that they're like, yeah, we live in a feudal-ass, like, society. <laughs> and then this tr- this thing it happens and we're like, damn, there's just, like, already prepared meals that are just there and you could just purchase in the middle of the night. And that kind of gets me wondering, like, is the reason that people are in such despair in the Rukangai because like 90% of them just come from modern times and they're like, I have lost the thing that's keeping me from moving on is my attachment to the idea that washing your food, and <laughs> keeping it cold <laughs> makes it last longer. I, Sam, you may have just like, fucking broken this thing wide open. Because I didn't even think about the fact that, like, all these people who die and go to Soul Society are just suddenly getting shifted into a feudal society where they don't have refrigeration or thing like, several conveniences that we have in the modern world. And I... It's not even just that they're, like, extremely poor and in, like, a, a really awful society where nobody cares about them unless they're in the military. It, it's just, like, this blows everything wide open! It, how does this work? I, 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 I can't go down this hole. Like, I, I cannot go down this hole or I will, like, talk about this for 20 fucking minutes. And, like, I, as sure as I am, as some of some of our fans would be down for that. I, I, I don't want to talk for twenty minutes about the implications of everybody going to suddenly feudal society. That this just blows everything wide open. Please continue with the summary before I go insane. Listen, all you need to know on that on that particular subject is Kubo's going to do whatever he thinks is cool and then not spend more time thinking about it. That's it. So the Shinigami decide on a plan. Rangiku's gonna watch the kid at Orihime's house, and the three dudes will take turns watching the town to try and track down the multiplying hollow. This immediately leads to a montage where all three of them are surveying the town at the same time. Um, <laughs> some time passes, and Rangiku asks Shota about 
what he's hiding from her, but just as they're talking, they hear a noise coming from the other room, and it looks like Yui has disappeared. In the town, the clones appear again, and all three Shinigami rush after them, splitting up to chase them. While Rangiku and Shoto run back to the park, and we kind of get like a glimpse of a hole in reality, like appearing in the sky, and what is probably the main body of the iron car, I guess. I guess. Uh, like, just kind of showing up and laughing. You know, we don't really get confirmation, but that's not a lot of things that this could be, honestly. <laughs> Having lost sight of the hollow that he was chasing, Hitsugaya asks a scared spirit if he saw something, but he's just, like, saying no and shaking and don't know, I didn't see anything, I didn't see anything at all. Although, he gives a smile when Hitsugaya leaves. In the park, Yui appears before Shota and Rangiku, and finally, Shota admits that he's been hiding something. When he woke up as a ghost, he ran away and left Yui behind. Left her for dead dead, I suppose. I get that he's supposed yeah, so... to be, like, a little kid, but this just makes me not give a shit about Shota even more. The episode ends, and I'm left thinking about Grand Fisher, whose power included turning into his victims. God! I was like, hey, remember when we had a hollow that could do that? I think we might have that again. I think part of these episodes' failings lies in the fact that this hollow, which is an Arankar, or a, a mock Arankar, as they've been calling it, um, just, just isn't very interesting. Uh, it, it feels... It, it kind of feels like a lesser version of things we've seen before. Um, and it, it just... I don't care about the Hollow. I don't care about these side characters we're being introduced to because they're not interesting. I, I, I just, I kind of just zoned out and was like, "Yep, this is Bleach," and that's how it went. Also, can we talk about how Yui was just swinging like really creepily on the like swing set in the background for like a solid thirty seconds at one point? Because that sure happened. Oh yeah, like. Like, we're seeing the cam- the camera is a close-up on Chota's face, and over his shoulder we see Yui. Well, no, we see the swing set, but it's blurred because it's in the background. And then, gradually, over, like, five or six seconds, we see Yui's shape, like, take form on the swing. And then we see her, like, swinging. And then they're like, oh, hey, Yui's over there. <laughs> It's like, it's it's some, like, really, it's, it's some actually kind of cool, like, like subtle horror movie bullshit but it's also like completely lost in the whole god i'm listening to show to talk and talk about his things I'm just, i don't care about Shota. I, I i i just I, I like to imagine that they couldn't see yui on the swing set because the background was blurred so like as soon as the like camera fades in just show yui on the like on the swing set they're like oh hey the background's here we can see yui there she is just, uh, I don't know. These were some episodes. Um, the the post credits bit this time was all right. I thought. Yeah. So the post credit scene is, it's all the Shinigami just like eating around the table, and they're like, "Hey, we've been using this apartment a lot, like a lot." Um, where's Orihime? And Rangi says, "I, oh, yeah, you know, she went to Soul Society with Rukia for some reason, so we've got the full run of her apartment." Rangiku does miss her cooking, though, 
and Ikaku and Yumichika are like, oh, I wonder, that must be nice. Like, a lot of the human world food we've eaten has been really good, but it's been, like, pre-prepared. I wonder what home cooking tastes like. And just, like, a traumatized Hitsugaya is like, D don't worry about, no, no. <laughs> you don't want, trust me, you don't want to go down this hole. It's, it's like, the reason this bit works for me is because while, like, on its own, I'm really not a fan of, like, the girl of the group being, like, a terrible cook trope. Like, I'm, I'm not super into that. Um, but with Rangiku being added into the mix as somebody who, like, adores Orihime's cooking, uh, and, like, the, the way this bit goes, it just ends up being pretty funny, and, like, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know, like, Pretty solid bit. Yeah. Like, because they've, they've done this bit in the uh, Bound Dark as well, when they had, like, the big cookout. Yeah. The big barbecue cookout. 100%. So, yeah, I like them. I, I like that the fillers are keeping up this running gag that they introduced in other filler stuff. They're like, no, no, we've introduced something with Rangiku and Norihime. We're just going to keep that going. It's pretty all right. I, I did not mind this gag. It was pretty good. Uh, ugh. Well, we have entered filler town for approximately like four more weeks or something, or five more ish, kind of. I don't. What are numbers? I don't know what numbers are. What I do know is that next week we are entering our season six finale. Uh, so go ahead and shoot us your emails, your your questions, your burning hot takes about Bleach or the podcast or anything. You can go ahead. Go ahead and send those to iwobleachcast at gmail.com. Um, the email at which I receive uh, e emails from Google being like, Hey, Bleach, can, can you, do you want to make this like a business profile? And I'm like, not really. Um, but yeah, no, go ahead and send your emails there. Like, you can ask us anything about the show, like, thus far or you know, send in your thoughts, like, we'd love to hear from you, uh, we like to do this every season finale, but, you know, it, no biggie if not, no biggie if we do get stuff, it, it's just a good time all about. Um, in two weeks, uh, we will be covering the first Bleach movie, which I believe is Memories of Nobody, uh, which, uh, from our, from our guest that will be on the show, I have heard is actually supposedly canon. Um, because apparently in the manga, it did instruct them to actually watch the movie, uh, which they have not done yet. Um, so that is going to be interesting. Um, other than that, I don't know that we have more housekeeping on this episode, do we? No. Alright. Uh, well, as always, you can find the show on Twitter at BleachCast, and find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore cause and I have been posting a lot for better or worse and you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ uh, thank you as always for listening stay cool chats bitch I'm gonna kill you <laughs>